Thank you for tuning into the Monocle Dynasty Podcast, where we keep an eye on Dynasty football. Your hosts dive deep on players, rankings, strategies, and much more. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Monocle Dynasty. And now, here's your host. Hello, and welcome to the first annual Monocle Dynasty Podcast Awards Ceremony. I'm your host, Dynasty Coach A. As always, I'm joined by Nubs. Tonight we will be giving out awards to the best players at each position and also each draft round. We're not going to go through every draft round, but we're going to you know cover the what, the first five and then we uh, go through you know a couple more beyond that. I uh, wanted to start out the night by congratulating everyone on getting through the 2020 season and of course more importantly all of your championships. Hopefully. Uh, we helped you guys a little bit. Uh, I, I actually do appreciate all of the people that reached out, you know, saying thank you so much. We, I appreciate you helping me with this guy, that guy, um, and, and that kind of thing. It really does mean a lot. It's the reason why we do the show. But um, I wanted to ask Tim, like, how does it feel to for it to all be over? I, I know you didn't start the season as the co-host, but you still put in a lot of work. You had the, you had the, the season grind and all that kind of stuff. But how does it feel to, for the season to actually be over? I was... One that I was just like, oh, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna get the season underway. They're gonna get it completed. But there was doubt that crept in, and I was just like very concerned. I'm really surprised that we got to where we finished off with the season completely being over with. Um, I'm very happy that we are able to do it. I, I think it's a, it provides this season alone provides a lot of experience that most other seasons you're not going to get. And I honestly think it'll make us better players. It'll it's, it's provided us with situations that we may never ever have been exposed to that we now will include into our, our thought processes and our, our schemes and our game plans moving forward. I think it'll shift some paradigms a little bit too far, which will have a correction the next year. But if we're able to anticipate in the right areas where these deficiencies are going to be, we can definitely um, take advantage of our leagues. So could be something that just, you know, by us digging into the numbers and kind of paying attention on a, a, a deeper level, we'll be able to take advantage of. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think there's going to be a lot that we can dive into and try to figure out what's real, what's not, and all that throughout the off season. And, you know, even though I, you know, I was basically doing this all last off season. Uh, this is the first time coming out of a season going, you know, doing the podcast. And so it's just, it's kind of cool. Um, and, you know, it's kind of exciting. Like I said, we have a lot to talk about, but for tonight we're doing the awards. Uh, it, you know, it's going to be for dynasty startups. Obviously not every single one of you did a dynasty startup this off season. Although it feels like most of you probably did. <laughs> I know I did a few, obviously I know Tim did a few, uh, that was how we met, but, um, you know, we're basically going to be going over ADP from those dynasty startups in August of last year. Uh, so obviously, if you drafted in May, that's going to be different. If you drafted in September, that might even be a little different. But that's what we kind of based everything off of when the majority of people were were drafting. And um, and we just kind of wanted to, to go over that. But we'll go ahead and start off with the first round MVP. And, uh, you know, this one kind of kind of hurts. Because it, it really should have been Kyler. Kyler was going at, uh, I believe it was 112. And uh, I wanted it to be Kyler so bad. But, you know, he, he after the injury, he just wasn't the same. You know, he, he, he was amazing. And I think he's actually still going to finish as, 
or he still is the number one quarterback in fantasy, but it doesn't feel that way. The last few weeks don't feel that way. And, you know, unfortunately, when you're talking about the MVP of a round or, you know, of anything, you really have to consider the playoffs and, and did they get you to the playoffs and did all that. We know Kyler did a lot of that in the beginning, but then later on, not so much. So I honestly, I feel like, I feel like it has to be Kamara. Um, he had a few bad weeks, you know, especially with Taysom in Taysom Hill in, but honestly, he had a great floor for the most part, and he obviously had a ridiculous ceiling. Um, the the fifty six point two points in week sixteen won a lot of people championships, and it's just really hard to to argue with Alvin Kamara being the MVP of the first round. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what you think, Timmy, but that's what I came up with. Yeah, we did this blind. We we weren't uh, influenced by each other's picks, and I also went with Kamara. The there is a, a big advantage to starting off strong in your season, and he definitely was one of those people that helped you win weeks early on, which really would propel your team to a good record even through the middle of the season and really define your, your season as you being a contender. Other, other players did that as well in later rounds, but Kamara was the one that was most consistent. He produced uh, the most uh, points for his position as well, and there were weeks in which he was actually number one RB on the on the week and number two RB he actually was um, 150% better or I'm saying his point total was 150% comparatively to number two where he had um, not only beaten RB2 but he outproduced RB2 by so much that he was giving you such an advantage at the position he only had uh, one one week that I would call a bus week which would just be below 10 or not even something that you'd even remotely close it would be remotely close to what your expectation of his performance would be. So he was very consistent. And I just considered him the runaway um, pick in this round. Kyler actually was picked. His ADP was nine. Um, just so I was just looking when you said that. So Kyler was definitely one that uh, maintained what you would expect his draft position to be in that first round. So it's definitely a good pick as well. Um, we saw some other, other players in that round really kind of fail. We saw that in the first two rounds, actually. So when you're able to knock down just your first pick and have him be the best player of the round and have him be the best player basically of the draft, I, uh, it's just a runaway pick. Yeah, definitely. And I really feel like either one of them, you were doing well, but you know, you didn't get that same uh, Super Bowl <laughs> opportunity with uh, with Kyler that you got with Kamara. Um and that's going to bring us to the second round. And it was kind of funny, like you said, that you know in the first two rounds, there was a lot of misses. And obviously a lot of it had to do with injury, but there were some that, that weren't because of that. And so it is uh, it is kind of crazy. I'm going to take this thing off because it is annoying. As <laughs> <that>. <laughs> but, um, but why don't I, I start off in the first round. Why don't you go ahead and start off in the second round? Okay, so my second round MVP was, it was Devontae Adams. But before I talk about Devontae Adams, I wanted to say some words about Cook because as much as I've said positively about Kamara, you can basically the same, say the same thing about Cook, minus the fact he missed the game in week four versus Atlanta. Um, no bust weeks for, for Cook. Produced a ton of points. Um, very consistent on, on a week-to-week basis for a floor as well as those boom weeks that can really win you your weeks. But Devontae was just so much better. Uh, when you compare him to the rest of the players in the round and even to the other uh, wide receivers, he missed games. 
and he still outproduced uh, Tyreek Hill by, I believe it was, just need a moment. He outproduced Tyreek Hill by, by 13 points while missing two games. Just it's that's just an insane number. Um, something that I liked a lot about Devante's year too is that he was very consistent from week to week, which is um, it's just an advantage because yeah, you can have those boom weeks where you win your your matchup by thirty, but you'd rather win more matchups by five or ten than one by thirty and then lose the next three because you have boom bust weeks. Um, now, something I found funny, I was just looking at trends, is that based on where Devontae was being chosen, he was only two picks away from the Kamar owner being able to draft both of them. So I could see that happening in a few leagues where you ended up getting Kamara and, and, and Devontae and were very happy with your entire season. <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, yeah, you would uh, you would be in pretty good shape at that point, except for the the like what two weeks for Devontae and, and the one week for Kamara. Um yeah, I honestly, like I said, there was a lot of misses in the second round, and it kind of came down to four players for me, and I feel like those were maybe the only four players that really hit in the second round, uh, and that was uh, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Tyree Kill, and Devontae Adams, and you know, the, I, I feel like the obvious answer for everyone is Devontae Adams, uh, but I also wonder how much the Week 15 I mean, I don't want to say dud, but it kind of feels like a dud compared to everything else. But I, I wonder how much that hurt people. Because uh, we, we even know in, in our uh, happy hour league that I traded away Devontae uh, to Omega. And he was hoping... Now, he needed a lot of points. It's not like even if Devontae had had like a 25-point week that he would have won or anything. But obviously getting the 10-point week didn't do what he traded for. Like that kind of thing. So I do kind of wonder how much that hurt. Uh, players to actually get into the Super Bowl, but beyond that one week, you know, he really, I don't know, it really is just like an amazing season. And like you said, the fact that he's leading all wide receivers and uh, missed two weeks is is kind of unbelievable. Now, Derrick Henry did have two strong performances in weeks 14 and 15, but then kind of dotted out on you in, in week 16. So I'm, I'm going to go with Devontae here as as the MVP of the second round as well. Also, Tyreek Hill, even based on his his uh, what you expect him to be as a player, Tyreek Hill was very, very consistent with his floors as well as his ceilings. So I just I don't want to not recognize these players that have done so well for us because even on the quiet weeks Tyreek had, he's still putting up 15 to 20 just based on his volume and based on what he can do when he gets the ball in his hands. So... Yeah, Devontae was our runaway winner. I truly believe that. But there was some good value to be had in the second round. Yeah, those four players were studs. And, you know, uh, not choosing Tyreek was really more about the playoffs. You know, he he just didn't show up as much in the playoffs. And, you know, at at least in my opinion, when you're choosing an MVP, that's somebody that helped you in the playoffs as well. And, you know, like Tyreek got you there, and that's great. But Devontae did a lot more, especially <laughs> Super Bowl week. <laughs> Which is going to bring us to the third round. Um, and I'll start this one out. And it, it has to be the easiest decision of the night. Like it, It's Travis Kelsey. <laughs> like, no one outperformed their ADP or their position or every, every other position like Travis Kelsey did. Uh, a lot of people had questions about his age. Uh, started putting other tight ends above him. You know, Kittle, Andrews. 
obviously we're like the big two, but you know, some people were even throwing other guys like Waller and players like that over Kelsey just because of his age. And, you know, I, I think we all have figured out, you know, that was a mistake, (laughs) but it, uh, there were only five other non quarterbacks that outscored Kelsey in 2020, which is insane. That's running backs, wide receivers, any other position besides quarterback, there was only five players that actually outscored Kelsey. And that just goes to show you that, you know, in the third round, we've had 36 players <laughs> or, or, you know, uh, around there, you know, what, uh, 24 to 36 players go. And uh, it, there's only five players that outscored him. Kelsey should not have gotten out of the second round, but he did. And this is what made him the runaway winner and probably the best value pick of the entire draft. Outscoring the number two tight end by 61 points. Finishing as the 14th overall player. Um, Excuse me, I'm just looking at my notes real quick. Some uh, fun fact, the only week he didn't score double digits, there were um, 16 other tight ends in in that week that did, which did not happen very often in this season. And actually two Chargers tight ends as well that were within um, less than a point getting to that double digit mark. So the one week he doesn't perform for you, there were other ones that did, but every other week he performed, he was consistent throughout the playoffs. He didn't score less than 22 in the three playoff weeks. He was legit. The one of the best options as well as such a supplement to your, to your lineup, because you could take a little bit more risk on some of these running backs that ended up coming out of the woodwork where you're like, you know what? I can hope for a decent week from Gaskin because I know if I get a decent week, at least from Gaskin, I'm getting a big week from Kelsey and that'll offset the difference. And then you're getting, you're reaping the benefits of playing a Gaskin because Gaskin's putting up 20, 22, 27 points and winning you weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Kelsey just, like you said, it gives you that advantage. Um, I know that, you know, it's kind of, there's going to be a lot of people talking in the off season is now the time to sell Kelsey. And, you know, we can get into that in a different show, but <laughs> I just, I don't know. I, I feel like you, people need to stop freaking out about the age, you know, when you see a player doing it. Two running backs. That's it. Two running backs outscored Kelsey this year. That's it's insane. It. That is insane. I know there was a lot going on, but it doesn't doesn't change the fact of, of who he is, who he was, and, and what he did. Uh, that brings us to the fourth round. Why don't you start us off there? The fourth round was fun because looking back at where the, where the quarterbacks were chosen and who was chosen between Allen and the first round quarterbacks besides Wilson in the second, which was basically the only second round quarterback based on ADP. We got to the fourth round to pick QB 11 off the board, Josh Allen. Um, I, I know it can be volatile. We can kind of see the position being a little bit volatile in the mid to late um, quarterback selections. Actually, even later in the quarterback 25 and below, you had, you had Ridvers, you had Roethlisberger, you had guys that produced points that way outperformed their expected ADP compared to this, the guys from 12 through 19 minus Aaron Rodgers at 14, QB 14 in ADP. So going back to Allen, um, it's very interesting how you could skip basically three rounds and get the QB two value on the season um, by just obviously you're, you're in a super flex, you're targeting quarterbacks, but knowing that, and I hope that this is a very good illustration to the point that 
you don't always need the top QBs to succeed at, at um, quarterback production, which we'll get into later in some other rounds. But I really, I, I, he was run away for me in this round because QB, uh, selected as QB 11, finishes QB 2, only two points behind Kyler. He actually matched his projection by sleeper like to a point, like two, two fractional points. And you got a two-round discount. So if you're able to snag, you know, a Kamara, Adams, whatever you get in the third round in an Allen, you're getting top two scores at the position at least in the first four rounds, um, three of them. So it, that's, it's just such a value to have. And maybe he's your QB2 and you end up getting someone that gave you at least consistent, consistent production in the first or second round. You're feeling really good about your QB position, which lets you take risks in other spots. You're getting so hot and bothered by Allen. You're getting. I am. Over there. I seriously. I. I. I'm not. I'm not even. I'm bothered because I. His season is so underrated. It's. It just drives me nuts. Yeah, I basically. Uh, I feel like Amari Cooper would have been at least in the mix or had a shot had Dak not gotten hurt. Uh, you know, and and as a Cooper fan, truth or whatever you want to call it, I would have loved that. But obviously, we can't really. Uh, we can't really call him the MVP of the round. Uh, Allen was definitely on the list. He w- he was the, the top two finalist for me. But you know, while he had the the week fifteen and the week sixteen that you know were pretty damn good, he had that nineteen point week fourteen, and that doesn't kill you by any means. But it definitely didn't like definitely didn't help you all that much compared to other quarterbacks and everything. And then Allen kind of had that like what three or four week area or uh, time period in the middle of the season where he was kind of in the 15 point range, like that kind of thing. So he, you definitely could have lost some weeks because of him. So I went with Calvin Ridley as the MVP of the round. You know, it was, it really was close between the two, but you know, Ridley's performances in the playoffs really stand out to me. And he had 26.4 points in week 14, 32.3 in week 15, and then 17.3 in the Super Bowl. Not like, Overly amazing, but definitely didn't hurt you in the Super Bowl or anything like that. So Calvin Ridley did everything in his power during the season, as long as he was there, because we know we missed a couple games. But as long as he was there, he did his thing. And then in the playoffs, he really, really helped push you to the to the championship. So I, you know, I think it was close, but I'm leaning Ridley there. Box score watchers won't know that Ridley had a couple touchdowns. He he should have. Also, either hauled in or could have been better passes that would have improved his scoring as well. Besides Diggs, Kelvin Ridley is my most improved player in terms of just scoring output for the season. So I'm I'm completely accepting of this of this uh, what do I say this recommendation for fourth round MVP. Yeah, and obviously Julio being hurt basically the entire year helped a lot, um, but I don't think we can really discount what Ridley did this year. And I was definitely not a, a believer. I, I put it into a take it or leave it before the season. And I said he was going to come out as like wide receiver 18, I think. So that was one of my misses. Um, and But, you know, like I said, it, I wasn't expecting Julio to miss the entire year or anything like that. But at this point, that's all in the past. That doesn't matter. All that, all that we know is that Ridley won people championships. I'm wondering, too, now, has Kelvin Ridley proven that he can perform to the a level high enough that we can – we can give him the credit that so many think he deserves without Julio in the lineup. Yeah. It answered a lot of questions for me because I wasn't, I wasn't sure he could take that next step. 
And, you know, at this point, it definitely seems like he can and did. <laughs> and that brings us to the fifth round. It's going to be the last, like, individual round that we're going to go over. Then we're going to kind of lump some together. Uh, but in the fifth round, this might actually be the easiest decision just because going through the round, there really wasn't, it was just one of those rounds where there wasn't a lot of, a lot of great hits or anything like that. But Aaron Rodgers is going to most likely win the actual NFL MVP award at this point, uh, or at least it seems very likely. Uh, he's really just having an unbelievable season, especially after, you know, people just basically thinking he was just a goner. He was just done at this point. Uh, you know, they drafted his replacement and all that kind of stuff. And then he just doing what he's been doing. Now, if you look at his fantasy points, they really haven't been like mind blowing. He's not getting up into the thirties and forties, like a Mahomes or even like a Josh Allen or anything like that, but he's just basically getting you like amazing consistency besides that one week in Tampa Bay when it was just a weird game and just nothing worked out. Besides that one, he's been at like 25 points every single week. And it's just, you can't in the, in the fifth round of a super flex draft, you can't beat that. <laughs> like, I don't even care if he retired after the season. You still can't beat that. <laughs> I'm with you. Uh, we have the same player. Consistency matters, and being able to count on week com- him completing weeks that give you competing numbers each week, week in, week out, it's not um, a fluke. He definitely produces touchdowns each week. It's something you can count on. Uh, he only had one, uh, as I would define, one losing week, which was the Tampa week. Um, consistent every way. And when you look at him as QB 14 and you then you look at the next six quarterbacks that basically were, were wastes of picks as well as the the ones between Wilson and Allen and the ones after Allen and before Rodgers, you got to steal here. And I, I want to illustrate the point that, once again, you don't always have to go out and grab the quarterbacks right away. Obviously, this is going to probably shift the paradigm a little bit. But as we're once again going to see later, there are quarterbacks that can produce at um, competent or even above le- competent levels that you can get in later rounds. And to really stack the studs in other other positions if you're not getting one at, at the quarterback position. And I think Rodgers kind of – the the season prior, I believe he was hurt, and I actually thought he was further gone than what he showed this year. I thought there was going to be a lot more um, in terms of drop-off just because of the year prior, he looked, looked like he was afraid to get hit in the pocket, just didn't want to have any sort of contact in the pocket. And he seems to have a lot more confidence staying in there now, and he he's not running as much either, so he's really relying on his on his arm. And I think the no crowd thing is having an impact on his ability to really set the offense up how he wants it, set the the table and then go, go to work. So um, yeah, this was a clear MVP of the fifth round for me as well. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, I wonder how much the, the draft pick of Jordan love really did light a fire under his ass or, you know, if that's just all narrative street and everything, but it, uh, I mean, regardless of what it was or what changed, it's definitely working. <laughs> it definitely worked. And I mean, the guy, he looks like Aaron Rodgers from, you know, four or five years ago. And it's, it's really weird, but yeah, guy's killing it. So now we're going to lump the sixth through the ninth round together. 
and I, and I have to be completely upfront here. I don't know how because I went through the ADP uh, two times just to make sure that I did not miss anyone, any particular players, and somehow I missed the best player in this in these rounds, and I didn't notice it until I saw the the show sheet when I was get, uh, jumping on right now, and I saw Timmy's pick, and I was just like. Wait a second. How could I possibly have gotten this one wrong? So I'll go with mine first. Um, this is not the correct answer now that I, I realize that this player was available. But it's still a player that stood out. And um, especially the fact that he was a rookie. Uh, you know, there's 48 players involved in the 6th to ninth round. Uh, you know, as far as ADP. And there was a lot of bad players once again. I mean, I guess you could probably say that every year. I doubt it's just 2020. But uh, I really had a hard time trying to pick who my MVP was because there was a lot of players that did well, did okay, but then they killed you in the middle of the year. They killed you in the beginning of the year or they killed you at the end of the year. Like one of the those things. And so it was just really hard to say, like, if they didn't get you to the playoffs, then how can they be the MVP? And if they completely fell off during the playoffs, then how can they be the MVP? But I came up with Justin Jefferson. Uh he really didn't exactly blow us away in the playoffs. He had 9.1 points, 16.8, and 13.4. But he averaged 21.8 points the four weeks prior to the playoffs. So he definitely helped you get to the playoffs. And then he didn't... I mean, the 9.1 isn't fantastic, but it's not like he gave you zero or something like that. So he didn't necessarily kill you. Um, and But the fact that he's a rookie... You know, and you probably no one was really expecting Justin Jefferson to really you know kill it like he did um, in rookie drafts or in you know in startups or anything like that. So I definitely think that he is one of the finalists for MVP. But like I said, uh, Timmy's going to show us who the actual MVP of, <laughs> of those rounds are. My MVP was Diggs. Ten, uh, not a single week under ten points for the entire season. Scored well in the playoffs. Everything, and I actually put this in my notes. I didn't read John's notes at all, but my notes were everything you'd like to say nice about Justin Jefferson, you can say even better about Stefan Diggs. Oh, and That's Justin, so hilarious. What Justin Jefferson was wide receiver eight on the season. So he didn't even have a bad season, but Stefan Diggs was wide receiver three on the season as well. And we're seeing a little bit of connection to the quarterback MVPs we had. And I don't think that's I, I don't think that's uh that's a surprise from what we're seeing. Um, I just wanted to say, I also had a couple honorable mentions in these rounds. Once again, talking about the quarterbacks, I thought Ryan Tannehill and Tom Brady were honorable mentions just because. Um, so Tannehill, three bus games, but he finished off as QB7 and the 11th overall player. Um, that's definitely not a bad choice in round seven. And then Tom Brady in round eight, which I actually, I would consider an entire round difference being more important. And I would say Brady. But the issue that I had with Brady was that he had the weeks in which you had you could doubt him. And if you doubted him, you didn't play him the next week. You didn't cash in on the bigger weeks. So I'm going to go Ryan Tannehill as a better value, even though it was, it was a round earlier than Tom Brady. But Tom Brady finished off as QB8, 12th overall. And that's not too bad, like I said, for round eight. Um, besides that, I think that's all I have for notes. But, I mean, Diggs just had a spectacular season. He was super consistent, gave you the big play. So you always had that exciting play in your matchup as well, where you're uh, you're looking for some sort of explosion in your, your lineup and points, and he gives it to you every time. No, I can definitely tell you um, as 
somebody that traded for Brady uh, for a playoff push that you're 100% right you couldn't trust him and he would always seem to blow up when you were like nope I'm giving up on him he's done he's washed and then he would blow up and you know he 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 actually I mean obviously there's other other things involved other factors involved but he technically lost me my matchup to get uh, in the first round of the playoffs in our happy hour league uh, I if I had started Baker Mayfield, I would have been in, but I started Brady, and he got me 20 points or 19 points or whatever it was. And then, of course, the following week, I think he gets like 35 points. And uh, and then, uh, you know, he had a pretty damn good uh, Super Bowl week as well. So it's like, thanks, bud. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Like these guys that if they if you they lose you week 14, can you call them an MVP? You know, like that kind of thing. But then, yeah, as far as Diggs goes, I mean, the the season was unbelievable. The But then more importantly, the playoffs were unbelievable. He had 29.1, 25.7, and 41.5 points in the Super Bowl. Like, you can't ask for, for much more than that. And like I said, it was just a complete oversight by my part. I It, it, it would have been Diggs. Uh, like, Justin Jefferson was a, was a nice little uh, finalist, but nothing on Diggs. It's it's kind of crazy when you think about like who we were talking about in the fourth and the fifth and even the third rounds. I mean, I would have rather had Kelsey, so maybe not the third round, but like the fourth and the fifth round, give me Diggs, you know. And and he went. What was his actual ADP? Do you know off the top of your head? Just um, need one. Since I missed him. I I don't know, <laughs> but just thinking about you know if if you had been if you had drafted him in the you know fourth round or the fifth round or something like that. Sixty nine overall, wide receiver twenty five. Nice. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's a hell of a deal right there. But now we're gonna do the tenth plus. Uh, so basically, like any person that was drafted uh, in the tenth or or beyond. And I I don't know about you. Actually, I, I did read through your notes right before we jumped on. So I I kind I feel like you were kind of feeling the same thing. But I was expecting this to be James Robinson. But in August ADP. Out of the 268 players I have available for ADP, James Robinson was not on there. So you know we know that we know what James Robinson became and, and who he is now. But in August, no one was believing that. <laughs> Nobody was ready for that. Uh, so I'm going to stick to the rules of who was actually drafted in those rounds of those 268 players that we have. That's 22 rounds. So in like a deeper league, a normal, you know, like my most of my dynasty leagues are 30 uh you know 30 rounds 30 players um at the very least 25 28 something like that so obviously he could have been drafted in your league but for these uh for this particular situation he wasn't but um (laughs) i really wanted this to be our boy Corey davis i really did but he goosed in the super bowl uh not that it was his fault but (laughs) uh but he really he just didn't have the greatest playoffs. He had 4.4 points in week 14, uh, 21 points in week 15, but you were probably out at that point if you were relying on him, and then zero points in week 16. So it was really difficult to make him my MVP. But looking through it, I really felt like it had to be uh, Brandon Ayuk. And like he missed some time, so it wasn't like he helped you every week of the season or anything like that. But once again, it was another rookie that – 
we really didn't expect to do very much this year. But with Kittle going out, with Debo going out multiple times, he really stepped up. And he had uh, he had 20.5 points, 21.9, and 22.3 points in weeks 13 through 15. Now, in the Super Bowl, kind of like Davis, he only had 4.1 points. So definitely did not help you win the Super Bowl, but he helped get you to the Super Bowl. And... Um, and you know where he was being drafted, which was, I want to say, in like the 16th round or something like that, uh, 15th round. I, I, I definitely feel like he has to be the MVP. I'm a little concerned about Ayuk uh, going forward for you know 21 and beyond, but we can definitely dive into that on a different pod. But for for today, he's he's my MVP. Solid choice, solid choice. People are going to disagree with mine, but I went with Will Fuller. The reason why I went with Will Fuller is there's a value that comes to knowing that when you play a guy, he's going to score points. That happened in every week he played but one. I know he didn't play every week, and I know he's suspended, and it probably is the reason why he was able to play as many weeks as he did. But when you get a guy who put up 19 points or more in uh, five of his 11 games he played, and that's not even including the other games in which he was in double digits, which was numerous below that mark, below that 19-point mark. But he had 5 of 11 where he scored 19 or more. That is consistent, high-level production. And I, I understand, like I said, that he didn't play every week. But when you played him, he scored points. And to me, that's very important. And that wins you weeks where... Like I said, you could have him put up 40 points in a week and then four in the next. That's not really helping you overall in the season. That might be helping you in your total points scored, but it's not helping you in your record. He did the opposite this year. He scored points consistently enough where you never had to take him out of your lineup. You almost went to the point where you were expecting 15 points or more, and that is a valuable player in the ninth round. Yeah, absolutely. And... um Actually, it was, I apologize. it was beyond the ninth round. Tenth round. He was the first pick yeah. of the tenth round. I apologize. Yeah, I was going to say, it had it, for to fit our parameters, he had to be in the tenth round or beyond. So mm-hmm. um, now, obviously, this is a uh, 2020 MVP for those rounds and everything. So you're not projecting for the future or anything. But uh, just to go over it a little bit, you know, we obviously know that he was suspended for the PEDs. Uh, he's going to miss week one of next year as well because of it. But um, what is your what are what are your thoughts on you know the PDs? Do you really think that's what helped him stay healthy? Do you think it was just a fluke? Um, and, and there's a lot that we can talk about. I mean, it's probably better for an, another pod, but I mean, there's a lot going on. Like he's not he's not signed. You know, we have no idea where he's going to be. It's probably not going to be the Texans because they're basically rebuilding at this point. Um, so there's a lot up in the air with Fuller. But what do you think about all that? Well. I do actually believe that the PEDs had something to do with it because he's never been more consistent. And the consistency in his volume, I would think that over time would really wear him down, having to get tackled all the time, things of that nature, where if he's not catching a deep ball in prior seasons, he's not getting hit, which kind of saves his body. Where in these, he was a consistent target all over the field. And... I truly believe that there was some sort of positive impact to keep him healthy. Now, I've never been the biggest Fuller fan. One, because I really don't think he's a complete wide receiver. So I never really was on the Fuller train. 
so I'm I'm was completely in the uh, the camp of selling him, but I want to sell him for the right price. He finished off, I believe, as wide receiver, close to wide wide receiver thirty on the season, just based on the, the number of games played. But mm. when he was when he was up to the game, he stopped playing. I think he was wide receiver fourteen or wide receiver sixteen. So I when I moved him, I was looking to frame him in trades that hey, he's close to a wide receiver one, as close as you can get. So I'm not trying to sell him for nothing. But I know that my end game is to get out of the Wolf Fuller sweepstakes on a week-to-week basis. Appreciate what you did, but I'm not going to try to project your, your future games and your future output. I'm going to trade you for something more consistent, uh, maybe something that holds a little bit better value over time. I'm getting out, though. Getting out of Wolf, Wolf, the Wolf Fuller uh, game. <laughs> yeah, and like you said, I mean, he missed some games, but he was actually he had seventeen point two points per game, which was number nine uh, for the season. So even though he didn't actually finish as a, a wide receiver one, he technically was a wide receiver one when he was on the field. Uh, so that just goes to your point. But I'm with you. I would be I would be selling him hard if somebody's a believer and says, "Oh, he finally got passed and all that kind of stuff." I would definitely be selling it. But it's one of those things where. If everyone else feels the same way, then he's probably just better as a hold and just see and hope, keep your fingers crossed and hope to God that he can do something. Well, to be honest, I'd even look at look, I'd look at even what a consistent wide receiver two type could I could get for him. Like, uh, I don't think Boyd's anything special, but I know he's good in that offense, and I know that they're without they're without Burrow next year f- for probably some form of time in the season. So I'm not saying he's a target, but maybe somebody like that where, hey, you can sell the boom weeks to someone or show the, the big numbers and get someone that has longer staying power and a little bit more longevity in his game, as well as a little bit more consistency based week to week based on target volume. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, it's, it, it all depends on your league. It all depends on, you know, who you can uh, sell to. Like I said, if everyone believes that it was the PDs, then it's probably not a good time. But well, we talked enough about Fuller. Oh, just one more thing. Hypothetically, you cannot trade a single first round pick for a top 12 wide receiver. Correct? No. So if the case is that you can't get a first round pick for Fuller, I think the next best thing to do is to try to, once again, transition Fuller into a different player who in time may demand more than a first, if you choose to trade him, or may just produce them a more consistent level. But my hundred percent feeling is get out of Fuller as soon as possible. Well, I should correct myself by saying you, you can get a, a wide receiver, a top twelve wide receiver with a first round pick, but it's not going to be like pick one twelve or pick one ten or something like that, you know. But mm-hmm. you can, you can do a lot with a one hundred one or a one hundred three mm-hmm. even. <laughs> yeah. In fact, um, in one of my leagues last year, uh, or you know, this off season, somebody traded the the one hundred one, or I'm sorry, somebody traded uh, AJ Brown for the one hundred one. And then they ended up trading the 101 for other pieces and everything. But uh, that right there shows you A.J. Brown was at very high value in the offseason. Not that he's not now, but I think it's dropped a little bit at, at the very least. And um, But, you know, he, he was taking 101 at that point, and they were happy to make that deal. That is going to bring us to our actual individual player awards. And uh, normally I would not do this, but... You know we have uh, we have Linda Lindellians on Twitter. Everyone knows her um, a lot more than than they know me. But <laughs> uh, 
but she's been joining us on the happy hour. We've been talking a lot with her and, you know, we give her a lot of shit, but uh, she loves her kickers, man. Like she just really loves her kickers. And she has the whole, uh, what'd she call it? The kick mystery or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> she had the kick mystery. And uh, so we're going to go ahead and do the MVP for kicker, the best kicker. And this, but this is, I just want to be hundred percent clear one more time. This is only for Linda. Uh, this is not a monocle uh, thing that we condone. <laughs> so why don't you start us out with your first kicker or your well, only I, kicker? <laughs> I was going to dedicate my kicker pick to her, her doppelganger on Twitter because, you know, they need a little bit of attention too, at least some attention to get them reported. But mine was Jason Sanders. Now I know it's an easy choice to pick the top scoring kicker, but something that I found very important to, and recognized was that the weeks in which he didn't score were against very good either defensive teams or teams that game-planned well against other teams' offenses, which, for example, the Patriots. I'm not saying their defense was good, but I'm saying Belichick knew how to how to write a, or create a defense or write up a game plan that had an impact on the other team's scoring points. So in those games, he did not perform well. But based on what we can understand or try to anticipate of prior defense behavior, we were not trying to go up against New England's defense twice and the Rams' defense, which is the other team he struggled against. So if you're able to, we're able to find a streamer for those weeks, his bad weeks didn't have any impact on you. Now, he had a bunch of weeks that were close to 20, which are basically another flex position, if not a flex plus position in your lineup. To find a kicker that can do that consistently week to week is so rare. Yeah, you can find the ones like Jason Myers that have big weeks when he have when he was on the Jags and he had five or six uh, long field goals in a game. But then you also have a game where he has one field goal and a PAT, just not something you can plan on. Where Sanders was so consistent, he only missed three kicks on the season. He was definitely worth having as a kicker um, in most weeks. Um, he scored 35 more points than the kicker 12 on the season, so you're looking at basically a two- two-point um, advantage at least just on average. So once again, if you find those streamers on those three bad weeks, you're way ahead. No, I agree. And, you know, I just because it's a kicker, I thought about just throwing Sanders in there. He was the number one kicker and everything. But I just I looked at his playoffs. He had nine points, one point, and then 15 points. And so it was just one of those things where in the playoffs, maybe he hurt you a little bit in uh, in week 15, which wasn't great. So I actually went with uh, Daniel Carlson, who scored the third most points, uh, but he finished the year with 9, 9, and 12. And just seemed like in the playoffs, you know, where, you know, having those extra nine points in the playoffs from your kicker could make a, you know, decent deal uh, that, you know, he, he kind of stood out. And he still had the third most points. It wasn't like he was that far behind uh, Sanders. So, uh, yeah, I went with Carlson there. Uh, but that's probably the most kicker talk we'll ever have on this show and maybe the only kicker talk we've ever had on the show. <laughs> but here we are. <laughs> the things we do for Linda, right? Yeah. All right, so that's going to bring us to our best running back. And you know what? Uh, this one this one hurts a little bit because uh, I'm not a big fan of owning this player, uh, having this player on my team. Because honestly, it feels like at any snap, like on any snap, you could lose the player for, you know, the entire season, a couple weeks or, you know, his career. <laughs> but And it looks that way sometimes, too, you know, when he when he goes down. And it's if you haven't figured out yet, it's Dalvin Cook. 
every it seemed like every game he went down a couple times and it was like, yep, this is it. Like he's done. He's not coming back in. He's done for the year. And then he would go back out there. And that's, that's to his credit. You know, he didn't just completely fall apart, but I can't watch that as a fan. Like I can't have that guy on my team. I can't have like my heart stop every time. Like that's not good for your health. And, um, and now, but the thing is he was very consistent. Uh, he missed the one game, but beyond that, he was never under 10 points. Um, and obviously in that one game, you knew he was out. So it's not like he started and then left or anything like that. Like You knew he was out. You could start somebody else. It was okay. He didn't have the strongest finish to the season. Uh, you know, I, uh, I, had it, I had it up earlier, and then I went to kickers. <laughs> uh, I can look it up real quick. But uh, he didn't have the strongest finish to the season. Uh, he had 19, 26.9, and 16.5. Not bad by any means. He definitely did not hurt you whatsoever. But what he did do is get you to the playoffs. And, you know, he finished as the, um, let's see, he finished as the running back two in PPR, uh, you know, behind Kamara. And he just basically did everything you could want from a running back without ever really, like, hurting your team. What did you just say he finished behind? He finished behind... Uh, one Alvin Kamara. Okay, I'm gonna go with Kamara as my MVP. You take away Kamara's 56 point week, and Delvin Cook outscores Kamara by 12. Think about that. Now that's an interesting point because if you take out Kamara's biggest week and then you inc- just put a zero there, and you include the zero that you would have had with Delvin, Delvin actually outscored him. Now I like Delvin, and I agree with you. He's scary to own. He did. He does get a lot of touches in the red zone. Now, I would like to see their line actually block and get some sort of push on the goal line where you don't have to have three attempts and get crushed by defensive linemen every time before you get in the end zone. It would probably help his career out a little bit. But going back to Kamara, Kamara was just so good, so consistent, minus the six-point week and minus maybe a couple um, lower-scoring games with Taysom Hill. But he got you out to such a lead, such a, uh, a lead in victories to start the season. that To me, that is just so valuable, and that's why he's my MVP. Obviously, Cook is a better value in the second round. You could have another player as well in, in addition with Delvin. But I'm going Kamara just because of the fact that he did exactly what you want a first-round pick to do, and he basically won you your, he won you your, your, your league if you made it to the finals. Yeah, I mean it's hard to argue against Kamara with the you know with the week sixteen that he had. Um, it, it really it really is difficult. I just I felt like the consistency with Dalvin was a little bit uh, more there, but you know it really it was really only the like two or three weeks with Kamara that uh, it really became a an issue, and those were the Taysom Hill weeks, you know. So it, it wasn't really in his control. But I mean, how often do we see with these players that it's 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 beyond their control? You know, it's out of their hands. But we just know that it's just something that they have to deal with. And, you know, it's just part of the game. Now, once again, I'm not a Dalvin fan. I do not want him on my team. I've made that very clear, you know, this entire season, but, uh, you know, I just feel like you have to be able to sell him at this point. Like you have to get out on him because like I said, you either have to do that or you just have to turn the TV off and just not watch it. Because I, if you can sit there and watch Dalvin cook play and feel okay about it, then you're, I don't know. You're a better man than I, (laughs) Delvin is such a weapon, and I've noticed that in certain games, they almost turn the faucet off when it comes to 
him in the passing game. And like, so if, if you watch like the middle season games, uh, like the games before and after they played Dallas, they played, or they played Cook so differently against Dallas that it was just confusing just based on the involvement in the first quarter versus um, them finding ways to either initiate outside runs that were not even up the sideline, but just off the, off the tackle ends, um, tackles or ends, I should say, as well as how many uh, targets or receptions he was getting, how effective they were getting in, in the game, where against Dallas, it didn't seem that way. So I think there's a little bit of Jekyll and Hyde when it comes to the game plan, but nothing negative to say about Cook minus the potential injury every week. Yeah, and, and like you said, it, it's it's so weird how their offensive line can block like no other in in between the twenties, and then they get in the red zone, and all of a sudden they forget how to block, or I don't know if it's just terrible play calling, or Cooks just not that good in between the tackles, or what it is, but something about it just doesn't seem to work once they actually get in the red zone. But yet he'll have like you could literally drive a Mack truck through the hole when they're on the 50 yard line or something like that. And, you know, and he hits, he hits it and he, you know, he's gone for 20 yards, 30 yards, whatever it is. But yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's really a flip of a coin with the uh, cook or Kamara this year, but you know, at least, we, at least we talked about both of them. <laughs> so that's going to bring us to our uh, best wide receiver. And, you know, this one might shock you. Why don't you go ahead and, and talk about him, Tim? I went with Adams. Not too much to say. <laughs> He just he was the best. He he did it in less games. Um, was consistent in every every single week. Was a player that you just had that expectation he's going to be a top five wide receiver this week, no matter who they play. And that's that's such a that's such a weapon to have. I did have an honorable mention of of Tyreek. Obviously, oh, I picked the wide receiver one, wide receiver two. But it was Tyreek's consistency that that just it drove me to want to repeat this sentence: is that how consistent he was helping you win each week. Um, for the entire season. Yeah, I mean, we already talked about Devontae, but, you know, he he was he's the number one wide receiver on the season with missing two games. And, like, he had weak-winning weeks. And not that Tyreek didn't, but he just had more. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and maybe even better weak-winning weeks. And, like, that just makes such a big deal because you can have you can have a bad week and still win your your game, you know, just because you had Devontae. And I'm pretty sure on that, on you know, the happy hour league, I'm pretty sure I had a couple of those weeks where, you know, my team did okay, but then Devontae goes off and next thing you know, it's like, oh, cool, I won. <laughs> Look at that. So it, it's, I mean, I don't know how anyone could really make the argument of, you probably have to be a Chiefs fan like, uh, like Mike over here uh, to, to really say that it was anyone besides Devontae. Uh, but that is going to bring us to our best tight end. This is another very difficult uh, one. Well, actually, you know what? Mike says that he agrees with us. He's, he's still watching. Uh, he agrees. It is Devontae. So you know what? Mike is a good uh, a good fan, a realistic fan, and, and you know can man up and say when it's somebody else and not his boy. But um, yeah, this is another very difficult decision. You know, best tight end. It's just. You know, you have so many of the good ones. I mean, what? There's what, like twenty good tight end? No, all right, come on. It it's Kelsey. Like it it's Kelsey. We don't even need to talk about it more. If you feel something, but I I've talked enough about Kelsey this year. That's my boy. I love him. But uh, yeah, he's he good. It's Kelsey. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's Kelsey. Okay. Uh, so that's going to bring us to our best quarterback on the season. Um, and I, I'm i looking at it here. We have two different choices. So, you know, I think they're both pretty good choices. It might actually be a little surprising to people. Uh, maybe, maybe not. But uh, I, I started off with uh, Aaron Rodgers. And it, it, it still makes me sad because it should be Kyler. It really should be Kyler, but I the injury just ruined his season or part of the season. It wasn't even the whole thing. I mean, the guy's still the number one quarterback, but I just feel like I can't say it. I feel like I can't say he's the MVP because of those couple of weeks because I know on my teams that have Kyler that he was not an MVP for me in those weeks. You know, he when I needed him most, I was I was losing games because he was getting me 15 points or you know whatever he was getting me. And so it's just really difficult. But we already talked about Rodgers, how consistent he was. But more importantly, you know, where you drafted him at. And being able to get him so late, being able to get that consistency, and then being able to get, um, like he only had, the, once again, he only had the one bad week. But he had 30.9, 18.3, and 26.4, one, oh, 26.14 points in the playoffs. And... That's just that's really really difficult to beat, uh, especially for the price. I have to um, remain calm. I might stutter again talking about Josh Allen, but that he is my best QB. Now I'm. If you said Rodgers and didn't give me Allen as a choice, I wouldn't even think twice. But Allen even performed better than Rodgers in the playoffs. So as much as we want to talk about playoff uh, value, Allen brought it. He never had a single-digit week. I understand that he had some shorter um, scoring weeks, 14 to 15-point weeks. I get that. But I just – where we drafted him or where he was drafted, how he performed, his rushing upside, everything we saw, as well as the development and um, just cohesion he had with Diggs, I, I just – I see it. I see the, the what I wanted to see from him, and I think that there's a lot more that we're going to see going forward, especially if they're able to find more weapons – or even be more um, effective with the, the tight end game. But looking retrospectively, as this is a year in review, I just I can't pick Rodgers over him just because of the playoff weeks, and that's the only reason. Sure, and that brings in uh, what Omega's talking about. Diggs has to be an honorable mention for wide receivers, and that's 100% true, especially with the 41.5 points that he scored in the Super Bowl. Um, but, I mean, he really, even beyond that, he just had a fantastic playoffs. And... Um, it really an entire season, but it's just when you're comparing to Devonte, it's like saying somebody else was the, the MVP last year besides Michael Thomas. It's just like how do you how do you say that? You know, so it's kind of the same thing with uh, with Diggs. He had an amazing season. We've already you know discussed him, but man, those playoffs were amazing for him. Not a single bad week. In fact, they were all just studly weeks. And then he just caps it off with the 41 points and and the Super Bowl. And it was funny watching watching on Twitter, all the people are like, well, I played Kamara. I lost, you know, like, I guess I'll play for next year and everything. And then all of a sudden they're like, wait, I, but I do have digs still. And and then they're like, wait, I might win. And then, Oh, I'm going to win. Oh my God. You know? So it, it was fun to watch that. And, um, it seemed like that happened quite a bit. There was a lot of people, you know, winning championships because of digs. So absolutely, uh, honorable mention. Mike thinks that Josh Allen is a beast, which, you know, I don't think how any I don't know how anyone could uh, question that this year. I do 
feel like he's going to be overdrafted next year like Lamar was this year. And so I doubt, you know, in, in uh, startups or, you know, trading purposes that I'm going to be getting much Josh Allen. But, I mean, he you can't deny how he looked this year. Now, kind of uh, segueing into our next award, how insane is it that you could have on your squad, based on ADP, Kamara, Devante, Kelsey, Allen, Rodgers, Diggs, and James <laughs> Robinson. Think about that. You could have all of these players on your team. That is insane. And I mean, I guess, I guess, just like with how many people play fantasy, it has there has to be at least one roster out there that has that. But it's hard to believe that that could actually happen. <laughs> um, okay. But yeah, go go. <laughs> but yeah, go ahead. Talk about it. you brought him up. All right, our next our next award, and it was unanimous, and it was a runaway. Was best undrafted player. We both went with James James Robinson. There is no other candidate. There's not even another nomination in this category. From the drop of the hat, the consistency he brought, the effectiveness in both elements of the game, passing and rushing, that gave you confidence in starting him every week. There was nothing that um, you even had to worry about. And I even put in my notes that he was a free square in the running back landscape because not only because he was undrafted, but because you never had to worry about him. And there were so many other running backs that either got hurt or struggled or they had issues with their offense or they're in a committee. Never, ever with James Robinson was this, were any of these an issue. Um, and the last thing that I want to say is we saw him sit out. They sat him in a game that really didn't matter, and I actually think that proved, that speaks volumes about way, where they want to go with him next year and how they value him and what they see in him for their future operation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, real quick, Omega says, you guys didn't draft exactly like that. He's disappointed. Um, but, yeah, you know, as, as good as we are, you know, it still wasn't we, – we still have some work to do, you know. <laughs> but back to Robinson, you know, it's just – the only thing that sucks about Robinson's season is that he didn't help you in the playoffs. Um, but for an undrafted player, you know, it wasn't at the very least was not in the first 22 rounds of your startup drafts. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of people didn't even draft him in rookie drafts or, you know, if he was, he was like a fifth round pick or something. And to be able to, to get what you got, what he finishes, what the running back four on the season. Um, to be able to get the running back four in PPR from an undrafted player, even if he didn't necessarily help you in the playoffs all that much, uh, it, it's just it's unbelievable, and you don't get that very often. I traded, you know, I've, I've said it multiple times on the pod, but I I traded uh, a fourth and thirty fab bucks for James Robinson in one of my dynasty leagues, and guess what happened? I won that league, <laughs> so it's uh, that that just goes to show you, you know what, and not to, not that I don't have other good players, but I mean that that trade definitely helped a lot because I had Gurley in that league. We all know what happened with Gurley. Um, I had Chubb in that league. You know that missed part of the season. I had Mixon in that. No, actually, I don't have Mixon in that league. I traded him away. But point is, I lost a good amount of players. I needed help. Robinson was there and absolutely the MVP and uh, yeah, I love it. Omega's saying like what you're saying, uh, you know, they want to keep him healthy. I am a believer that he's going to be there. He's going to be their running back. I don't know how 
any team could watch what he did, watch him on the field, and then be like, we need to go draft a running back now. Like it, it, I feel like in the NFL, once you actually produce that, you know, like you get a little bit, at least as long as you don't have like Adam Gase or something on your, you know, as your coach, then you you get a little bit of respect and, you know, that they're going to be like, you know what, we can we can draft a lot. We have a lot of needs. Running back is not one of them. It also gives them the ability and the leeway to uh, discern which ones they want from the free agent market. They can sit and they can negotiate real hard with the ones that they end up bringing in because they don't, they don't need you. They haven't invested a bunch in a Robinson, so they have money to spend in other places. I believe actually they have the most cap room as well. So there's going to be a lot of opportunity for this team to take a huge step forward, both offensively and defensively, to put them in even more positions to score points. And that's only a, a positive. So uh, I never underestimate the value of fab dollars, ladies and gentlemen, because you never know when it's going to turn into a player that's, that could be your undrafted MVP. Now I will say I talked to that I talked to that person and found out who they used the the Fab Bucks on and it was Darnell Mooney, so it wasn't terrible for them because um, they they got Mooney and then uh, they have like the fourth round pick you know so they, who knows what the, who they'll get you know this upcoming draft but uh, I, I bet that they would rather have James Robinson right now <laughs> but you know the the I, I've heard it on a million pods people are asking the question is can you trust James Robinson going forward? And there's going to be a lot of players that are not going to, or, or they're going to expect that they can't trust him. And so if you can get him cheaper than you would be able to, you know, I definitely think it's a good time to start throwing out offers, especially because he didn't have the greatest playoffs. He, he, you know, was benched in week 16, <laughs> you know, like all that kind of stuff. So I feel like it's definitely a good time to to throw that out there uh, and just see what you can get for them or, or what you, you know, if you can get them a little cheap, I mean. Well, one more note about that too. This is the time for uneven trades. This is the time where, where league mates are a little bit more accepting of uneven trades because they don't have to drop people right away as rosters expand for the off season. Yep. So this could be a time, not you're obviously going to have to make a good offer, but this could be a time for you to clear house a little bit. You may have a lot of draft picks coming in, um, things of that nature. There could be a lot of, a lot of um, moving pieces that will contribute to benefit that will benefit you in in the, the fashion of moving multiple pieces for James Robinson, as well as it gives you a lot more flexibility in going and making this trade. Mike's asking what we would give up for him. Um, it's hard to say for sure. You know, obviously it's, it's going to depend on your league and, and, you know, who you have on your team, what, uh, what you're, what you're doing with your team. But if we're just talking about picks value, because that's kind of the easiest way to go about it, um, I think I, w- I would be willing to do a late first at this point. Um, you know, if you just won your championship and you know you, you could use a running back, throw the one twelve if you still have it, and and you know go get Robinson. Um, you know, you might even be one of those things where you could throw a second and a player or something like that. Uh, I would rather do that. I, I don't obviously don't want to pay a first, but with what he's with what he did and the fact that the team should only be getting better, I'd be perfectly fine. Um, I don't know how high in, in the first round or how early in the first round I would be willing to go. I'd really have to look once we got a little closer to the draft. But you know, if you're, if you're saying you have to send out a pick right now to, to get it done, I guess I would say like, I'd be willing to send like the one ten. that'd probably be the highest I would go. I think. 
Um, I hate trading draft picks at this point in the year. Like it's probably right. my most distasteful thing to do. But what I would do is create a list. Say these are the guys I can't live without. Mark it down, and then anything past that, I'm fine with. In terms of yeah. moving for him, you may even be able to get something back as well. Gauge how the owner's feeling about um, his current position and how safe he is with him. Or if he's just a guy that's looking to cash out on a, a free agent he picked up earlier in the year. There are many people that are like that that will say, hey, I'll, I'll pay back into him if I have to later on. I'd rather just realize a gain off of a guy I got out of free agency and move on. So I would definitely have that conversation. But you really want to make sure you know uh, what you're giving up in terms of opportunity costs in the draft if you're giving up picks before you do so. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like I said, it's completely team dependent, and I was throwing out draft picks uh, because that's the easiest way to like gauge value. But I agree with you. Like now is not the time to be sending draft picks for anything. Now is the time to be accumulating draft picks. Uh, I would rather try to send like an older running back. Uh, that maybe I don't fully believe in or running back I don't fully believe in, like a David Montgomery that's completely hot right now. Uh, people are, you know, in love with what, you know, they, he probably just won them championships. And so if you have, or maybe even you, but if you have David Montgomery, you know, you should be able to get James Robinson plus for Montgomery. And, you know, like that might include a second round pick or something like that. Um so it's all team dependent, league dependent, all that kind of stuff. But the point is, I would definitely be, you know, sending out some some feeler offers and, and trying to see, you know, what the owner is looking for. So that's going to bring us to our overall value MVP. And I feel like the value part is the big part because, I mean, you can say the overall MVP and you could probably you could probably, you know, skew that five different ways. But when you talk about the value for your draft, for your team, for, for the league, who that player is, uh, I think, you know, I, I think that there's one clear choice for me. And I believe there's one clear choice for Tim as well. And that is Travis Kelsey. <laughs> and the sad part is, is that as much of a fan of Travis Kelsey as I was, and I was telling everyone to go trade for Travis Kelsey, buy Travis Kelsey, draft Travis Kelsey, all that. I was saying to myself, I don't like drafting a tight end in the second round. In the third, you know, like in the third round, I would I would do it, and we see that his MVP MVP his ADP uh, he is the MVP, but his ADP uh, in August at least was uh, was in the third round. But I'm wondering, you know, I did most of my startups earlier, and so I'm wondering if he was a little bit higher because I didn't get all that much at least in regular snake drafts. Now we did the auction drafts, and so that's completely different. I did end up with Kelsey in those because um, I'm able to just go get my guy. But in the snake drafts, I'm not a huge fan of drafting a tight end in the second round, and so I I didn't love it, but I loved the player. But now looking at it, like I would have drafted him in the first round, you know, like it didn't matter. <laughs> and it's just it's kind of crazy. But he had one week under ten points, and he averaged twenty three point nine eight points after the bye week. He had 27.6, 22.8, and 22.8 points in the playoffs. I mean, we were just talking about Diggs, how he helped you in the playoffs. We were just talking about Devontae, how he helped you, Kamara and all those guys. And, I mean, he was right up there with them, but he was a tight end. And you can't say that about any other tight end. And he's the MVP. He, that's as simple as it gets. 
I'm usually with you about not picking tight ends high, but I wasn't letting Kelsey get out of the second round in any of my snake um, drafts. Now, he did go earlier, or I should say earlier than my pick most of the time. Acquire as much as I as I wanted to, but this issue without me selecting him if he was available. I'm 100 with you. I don't really have much else to add because we've already talked about his playoff scoring. The fact he was so consistent, he had two weeks of 22.8, like 22.8. That's so awesome. Um, <laughs> I, so I don't really want to add anything else. Like he was what he was 14th overall, um, and with a third round ADP of. Sorry, I don't know the exact numbers. Taking a look. I think it was early in the third round. I don't remember exactly what it was, but um, I, I want to say it was one of the first few. But yeah, he was 30, so he was he was mid-third round. Okay, it was mid, okay. Yeah, and he was yeah, actually so. tied in two behind Kittle, who, went, who was averaging 23, which Kelsey should have been number one. Sorry. Yeah, no, I and I I never that wouldn't have been me drafting Kittle, mm-hmm. but I was like I said, I, I was also to a fault not drafting Kelsey. Mm-hmm. So you know, you live and you learn. Um, but that was more of just my normal belief of just not drafting a tight end. Um, I guess we shouldn't have or couldn't have expected Kelsey to be this good, but um, you know, he he does give you that advantage regardless. But the crazy thing is, is that he actually leads all receiving players not just not tight ends all tight ends all wide receivers in receiving yards in the nfl it's never been done before i don't know if he's going to finish the season technically uh you know like the nfl season as that because i don't even know if he's going to play this week but uh at least through the fantasy season he had the most yardage uh for a receiving option and that once again mvp (laughs) Yeah, for our weekly, we have a weekly pick that's going on where we have to, we had a, a certain number of players and positions we had to pick. I sat on Kelsey for too long, and now I can't use him this week because he might not play. Well, well, you got 22.8 points, right? Oh, no, you <laughs> sat on you. I'm sorry. You, no. He, he would have gotten you 22.8 points. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm kicking myself in that one because I completely forgot to set a lineup. Uh, I forgot to send my picks in uh, like three weeks ago. And then at that point, it was completely pointless for me to send a lineup in anymore. So I just stopped doing it. But uh, next year, I'll have to like set a, a calendar or something so that I can actually remember to do it. Uh, because if it's not in the sleeper app or uh, the MFL app, it's tough for me to remember to go check those things. Mm-hmm. I'm down like 30 and I have I'm the only one with a quarterback position left because I was going to go with Mahomes and Kelsey but they're not going to really play so I'm uh, I'm going with Lamar and a must win so we'll see how many points he can bust out this week and see if I can uh, make up ground and win this win this competition you're not going to use Chad Henney for the Chiefs I thought about it but I'm like you know <laughs> Lamar's got got the legs so <laughs> Well, we, we made made it through all the awards. Uh, I'm actually kind of surprised we're sitting at a, an hour 10, and I, I really thought we were going to be closer to two hours. The way that we do our recaps, our, our weekly recaps, I figured more of a seasonal recap was going to take even longer. So I was expecting, but we, we actually made pretty good time. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I know we got some exciting stuff coming up. Um, we're going to be just discussing both uh, dynasty uh, strategies going forward, a lot of rookie stuff. Um, were, were we going to still do our some ADP uh, review? I don't know exactly which pods they're going to go into, but there's going to be some some interesting content coming forward. Oh yeah, we have a lot planned and you know, something that we didn't really have last off season that we'll be able to implement a little bit more with Tim is a little bit of a film review, uh, whether that's on the pods, which we will be doing, or, you know, even on the website, uh, I'm, I'm hoping I can, you know, coerce him into like actually having some like YouTube videos and, and things like that, that we can kind of put out there, um, with some film review. So there's a lot, but like I said, there's so much to talk about because of the 2020 season that I feel like we could probably talk, we could probably do a pod like every day for the entire off season and still have stuff to talk about. So I'm pretty excited about it, but um, I appreciate you guys listening to the, uh, the award show, the first annual award show. Um, it was, it was a lot of fun. I was planning on dressing up for it. Uh, you know, I, I had the monocle, uh, but I was planning on doing like going all out. Obviously now I can't even stick, but, um, I couldn't find my bow tie. So maybe next year, you know, we can, uh, rent some tuxes and really, you know, really do it right. Have some, some actual awards, send them to the players and, and, you know, just really go for it. <laughs> I would totally do that. We, <laughs> that'd be so awesome. Just send them to the player, player agents. We got some awards for you. Get them actually, uh, like engraved <laughs> and such. All right. So, uh, we will be sticking to a schedule, you know, putting out the pods weekly. Uh, we don't, we haven't really discussed exactly what we're going to be doing, but I'm excited to figure that out and uh, get you guys a new pod next week. Until then, check out the articles at contenderconnection.com. We have some new writers. Uh, I actually had somebody uh, reach out to me today uh, talking about some like NFL draft pieces, like actual NFL draft uh, articles that he wanted to write for us. So that's kind of a cool perspective, not necessarily fantasy, but obviously we know for the rookie drafts and everything that that's pretty important. And then we uh, we always have our day fantasy articles, uh, blocking the back articles going out. And now we have uh, Nathan, oh man, is it Darius Set? I, I, I should know his last name, but I for some reason I'm, I'm blanking on it right now. But, uh, but Nate's writing us articles now, and I really appreciate that. So go check those out at contenderconnection.com. We will talk to you next week. Until then, we are cashing out. Mm-hmm.